So the luck and the timing of this, you know, I cannot overstate how important that was because I was the one guy for whatever reason who did not know how big Gillette was. Therefore thought, I'll have a go. How old could it be? Welcome to the Small Talk podcast brought to you by Small World, the agency that builds scale up brands. I'm Dan. I'm Harvey. Hello and welcome to another episode of Small Talk. In the studio today, we're very excited to have Will King, the founder of King of Shaves. We've got lots to cover today, so we'll dive, dive straight in. Um, well, it's great to have you here. So tell us all about King of Shaves. Why did you start the company? And when did you start it? And uh, how's it all going? Well, at first, it's great to be here. Um, just turned 57. Cannot believe I founded King of Shaves aged 26 back in the 90s, in 1993. When life was great in the 90s, by the way, listeners. It's shit in the 20s. <laughs> great in the 90s. There's been no bad stuff really happening yeah. at that stage. But um, long story short, I worked in conference and event production, and we had a recession like we're going to have maybe here, but it was a big recession because we had two to three million unemployed. So it's proper recession. And I was biz dev manager for a company. We put on big product launches for companies like Duracell and Braun. And then the recession hit. And of course, Duracell and Braun reigned in their spending. So there was no conferences and events to produce. So I was made redundant. And what I think saddened me, because I was very good at my job, was the company, which had been very successful, the management there, Bought, they'd bought Lamborghinis and they'd bought Maseratis and they'd bought Jaguars and they'd like basically crash the company by their behavior on the basis it's always going to be good. And it wasn't. So I lost my job, 40 grand a year, company BMW, car, had to move out of my flat in Streatham, obviously lost the car because it was company, got a bike off my mum, sold my dad a Rolex back he'd given to me as like a gift and decided what to do. And, you know, this is kind of important because I studied engineering at Portsmouth Poly, mechanical engineering, mm. and I'm a product guy. And a lot of stuff these days, it's, you know, product's not so sexy. Yeah, it's kind of a bit, well, you make it, you sell it. And even then it was not sexy at all. Yet I understood product. So I knew I was going to do a product. And then the second was, I'll be my own boss. And I've now been my own boss for 30 years. So I've not had anybody telling me what to do. 30 years, 30 years. Oh my God, the joy of that. But of course it wasn't always joy at the start. So I backed myself, make a product and I cast around what to do. I didn't know what to do. So randomly I was introduced to a surfwear brand called Body Glove, which was big in Baywatch, big in the 90s, Pamela Anderson, um, running along the beach and body glove wetsuits were used, and somehow picked up the distribution rights to this, the surfwear part of that. And King of Shaves came out because I thought, well, what could I do that's, that, that I can solve? And I hated shaving. All right, I hated it. Now everybody doesn't give a shit about shaving. They're quite ambivalent and you don't really care and it's stubbly and this and work from home and nobody really cares. But in the 90s, everybody was clean shaven, yeah? Like everybody, suit and tie, clean shaven, and only dodgy geography teachers and um, not nice people had bits. So it's 99% shaved and mm. 1% bit weirdy beardy, as we used to call them. Mm. And having done engineering, I knew oil lubricated and then Anita Roddick's body shop was huge at the time. Essential oils were taking off. 
And I, I went to a pharmacy in Henley-on-Thames. I was hanging around with a guy who's, um, who worked for a management consultancy, ended up seeding me seven and a half grand along with my best mate and looked at aromatherapy and essential oils. I thought, oh, it's, oh, it's quite nice oils and got home and mixed it. So the essential oils, bought a book and you have a carrier oil, you have essential oils and you mix it. So you've got to be very careful with this because essential oils can be very bad for you. Um, and shave with it, did not get razor burn for the first time in my life. And that was like, dungs just sink up horrendously because the formula wasn't great. But winding forward from there, developed a formula, went to contract manufacturer called Amphora Aromatics. They blended me 50 kilos times two drums that turned mm. up in a garage, hand-filled 10,000 bottles, came up with the name Sunrise, was going to be the original name for King of Shades because I was born in Lowestoft in Suffolk and it's where the sun rises first and men shave in the morning when the sun rises. And had I called it Sunrise, the sun would have set on it. Yeah. The King of Shaves came about because I was playing cards with my dad. Um, no good at cards, like Pontine before Sunday Roast. So I had no money. I was like low staff, no money. Yeah. And and he turned over the King of Spades and said, why don't you call it King of Shaves? It could be really funny. And the, the King can shave his beard off and he can hold a sword. I'm sorry, hold a razor, not a sword. Mm. And I thought, oh, okay, that's this quite, this my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, uh, so it's a bit arrogant. He says it's your name, son. Mm. So I then called it King's. King of Shaves. Mm. Everybody called it King of Shaves. Hand filled the first 10,000 bottles, rang up Mohammed Al Fayed directly, got it listed in Harrods, spent six months persistently chasing down Fiona Kemp, the buyer at Boots, and she gave us a listing in 1994. And sales went from 300 quid to 54 grand and then doubled and doubled and doubled and doubled. Wow. Because everybody shaved yeah. and there was only Gillette in the market. Yeah. And us. Hmm. And it was an astonishing time to launch because yeah. the internet came along. We bought shave.com for 18 quid. Men's magazines came along, FHM Loaded, Esquire, GQ. They needed brands to write about and we could advertise in there. And everything we did pissed Gillette off. Hmm. So if we did something, Gillette would spend against it and we just led them around. Hmm. The retailers loved us because Gillette would spend more at Boots. They would put us on the top shelf and Gillette would try and get the top shelf and displace us. Yeah. And it was an amazing time to be alive between 93, 99. And then we had the dot-com crash in 2000. And that was surreal as well because it was there. And then it went off a cliff. Mm. But people still kept shaving. Of course. And I'm still here after yeah, all the years. Absolutely. What an amazing story. Just to sort of jump back to when you did start the business. So talk me through, if you can remember, what your sort of psychology was like. You've been made redundant, impending sort of big recession, and then you think, I'm going to... You didn't have much experience in... Zero. Zero experience in both product development and in the category. Nothing. And you think, right, I'm going to go and take on a brand that's, what, founded 1901, 1902, whatever it is. by a guy called King C. Gillette. The irony of that. Wow. So what... Why? You know, where did you get the confidence, the bravery, the naivety to a certain extent to be like, yeah, I'm just going to go for this. So I, I think now, and it's an interesting point you raise, ignorance was bliss, yeah? I had no idea how big Gillette were. I had no idea how big the shaving market was, other than you'd see men clean shaven. You would only see Gillette. There was Wilkinson's sort of a kind of there, mm. but you didn't have the gazillion of brands that you'd have now in men's grooming. Um, I had two Fox Terriers. You couldn't easily find out information on how threatening the market was because 
You couldn't unless you went to the British Library and looked at microfiches of reports of market share of companies like Kantar and that sort of thing. I yeah. didn't know any of that. I knew Boots was a big business because it was on every high street, I think a 1,000 stores, 700 stores. I went in there, see that Gillette had a lot of Gillette gel and Gillette razors and Gillette foam, all in cans, all very same. Mm. And I guess because the king of shaves oil, because we basically, I basically invented shaving oil, shaving with oil that then went into beard oils, and then it goes into all of the serums and all of that. Then there was nothing, yeah? It was a can of Gillette foamy, and that was it. And a, two, a twin blade razor, Gillette sensor. No three blades, no Mac 3, no fusion, no heated crazy razors. So th- the luck... And the timing of this, you know, I cannot overstate how important that was because I was the one guy, for whatever reason, who did not know how big Gillette was, therefore thought, I'll have a go. How old can it be? Mm. Um, And when you have that, ignorance is bliss and you don't have fear of anything because you don't know, you just get on with it. Mm. And when I think Mohammed, when Al-Fayed listed it personally in in Harrods, and then got it into boots on the bottom shelf. And you can imagine the Gillette reps that have just walked past it. Is this random? It says Kings. It looks cardboard, tiny oil. That cannot work. Where will it go? Move on. But it did. Mm. And it got substantial traction because it solved a problem that men had, which was about was sensitive skin. The razor tech wasn't so good as it is today. And if you got razor burn and you had to wear a tie and a suit and it was all itching, it solved the problem. And that word of mouth, that's what kicked it. And it would now be, I used to say 12 years ago, word of mouse. But, of Mm. course, we now don't use mice anymore, really. We just have touch phones, um, touch screens. But word of mouth, that referral of the brand was huge because it solved the problem. Mm. And I think listeners there, whether it's a product, brand, service, or idea, you've got to solve a problem or you've got to do something much better. Yeah. And, and those are the two binaries. It's often hard to invent something. We're all trying to invent things. Mm. But if you can do something better or make something that solves the problem, those are the two binaries in, in success. Yeah. And then, of course, timing and hard of course, work. Of course. And when did Gillette start noticing you? So you said, as you, you rightly said, they wandered past, they see you on the bottom shelf, don't bat an eyelid, and you're just going about your business, getting a bit of traction, getting more sort of distribution. When was it you suddenly thought, oh, yeah, when we got into when when boots. So basically, what happened? So going back to the King of Shades thing, I was absolutely cacking it that Gillette, the Gillette companies that then was it owned Duracell. It was bought by P and G in two thousand five mm. for fifty seven bill. Oh, yeah. They they must have registered King of Shades as a trademark. The the founder's Christian name was King, mm. but they hadn't. So I thought, thank goodness. So I filed my trademark. And um, it then got rejected by the patent attorney. So he said, it's laudatory. Um, it infers you're the best. Like Budweiser is king of yeah. beers because it owned the world's largest brewery. You can't have it. So I'm really upset by this. Like apoplectic. Like, what? I need the trademark. You need this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So hired a patent attorney, uh, Martin Clark, and they argued at the European court that it was my, they were infringing on my human rights because my surname's King. And therefore, if it had been Smith of Shaves yeah. or Leo of Shaves yeah. or whatever, no problem. But because it's King, well, you can't discriminate against him because parents gave him the surname. Oh, yes. So we got that registered. 
which was epic. And I think when we started kicking it in boots in 96, 97, so we had one oil, two oil, then two gels, then four skincare, then four more gels, and then top shelf at boots, 98, that was when. Mm-hmm. That was when that yeah. Gillette got right antsy yeah. with it because we were delivering boots a lot of profit margin. I was like pretty fearless. We'd done this deal with Will Carling in 95, the rugby captain to be yeah. the fate. We'd had um, Sophie Reese Jones turned into Prince Edward's missus. You know, um, she was my PR manager for six months. You know, she was in the office with Will Carling stripping off and we were the first to do a download of Will Carling over the internet as a screensaver. Like 10,000 downloads, yeah, in dial-up, 2.4 megabits, dial-up. You know, obviously the megafile weren't great. But we got a lot of traction and I got a lot of attention because there wasn't anyone else out there like me and with the, the the market sector we were in, because it was so big, Gillette Goliath and so tiny, Will King of Shapes, mm. the journalists loved it, but the products were always amazing products. You know, we invented the tube shave gel format. Gillette tried to copy that back 10 times and they still never got there. Mm. Um, Harry's Dollar Shave, they copied it. We basically innovated and pioneered in a category that until we launched was a can of shave gel and a bit of brute. And that was it. And then Link's Effect happened, 96, and then Nivea for Men, 99, and then L'Oreal Men Expert, 2004. And by then, and we just became a thorn in Gillette's side. Mm. I'd buy domains like Mm. Mac3Turbo.com and pointed at King of Shaves and get a letter from the lawyers, say, give us our thing back. And then I would ignore it for like months and it'd get bigger and bigger. And then I'd go, okay, then I'll do it. And you could do that. And then when P&G bought Gillette 2005, it kind of changed things because P&G were much more structured and serious and Gillette were quite good to go up against. But um, I think when we launched our Razor in 2008, you know, we sold 6 million handles, 35 mil cartridges. Nobody had launched a, a, a new brand in shaving razors yet. Nobody, nobody's 499. Gillette for the first time in their history went half price off on handle. 50 off. Mm. Never done that. Wow. So the margins and raise of blades are huge, yeah? Five cents to make a blade, a four quid for you to buy it at Boots. That's Red Bull levels of margin. That's up there. Yeah. And Gillette had huge patents and we had patents and we, they'd be suing us and we'd be counter-suing and Wilkinson Sword would be trying to overturn patents and this and that and the other. And it was great fun. It it was hard work. Took a lot, um, took a lot out of me, but because I was able to define the products as mm. an engineer and then kind of as a weird marketing guy as well, like Dyson, yes. you know, that, that yeah. it's an unusual juxtaposition. Mm. And my first job was selling ad yeah. space over the phone. It was kind of felt all really natural. Mm. And well, why isn't anybody else doing this? And yeah. then of course they did, Yeah, you know, the Bulldogs launch and this and that and everything. And, but we were the guys that opened the category. Yes for everybody else to believe that something could be done. And I'm really proud of that. Absolutely. Um, but it's forever ago now and none of your listeners mm. were probably no, born. No, no, I mean, it is, you know, the original Challenger Brand story. And you touched on the product development, like you sort of rightly said, you need a great product before you even get going, otherwise you're not going to be able to it's challenge It's got to be a king awesome product. Absolutely. It's got to be exactly. great. And you, sort of met, and you sort of alluded to the fact that, you know, you were sort of a sales marketing guy in, the, in your background, you did product launches, so you have that strength as well. Yeah. But yeah, so talk to me a bit more about the, the King of Shades brand, the King of Shades tone of voice, 
and some of your f- sort of favorite campaigns because yeah you've taken Gillette on from a product point of view and you've got initial distribution but that can only take you so far so how did you want to present yourself as a business what was the sort of tone of voice were you trying to be more colloquial you saw Gillette and think well they can't do that sort of thing so we're going to do this so yeah, yeah. Talk, talk me through about the King of Shades brand well I think you know I've created King of Shades and King of Shades has created me. And when I talk to people who are around at the time and now, like the innocent guys, they took a lot of cues from the personality and the humanity that I gave to the brand. So you had that sort of voice of the founders. Then it's the King of Shades. It's not the Naver Shades or the Jack of Shades. It's got to be a great product. But then you've got to get through against Gillette, which is a huge, great product too. So you've then had to differentiate that. So I wrote all the copy. You know, kick the day into play with King of Shades. It's on the pack for years and important exclamation mark. Enjoy. Important enjoy. Enjoy shaving. You know, don't endure it. Enjoy it. Lots of this stuff invented like nomenclature like um, shaving hardware for razors and shaving software for gels. So that IRI and World Panel picked up on those sort of things. So I developed kind of a narrative of how I wanted it to be talked about where you know, it's got my surname on it. And if people don't like it, I want to know why. And if they do, that's lovely. Tell your friends. But I used to wear my heart on the sleeve a lot. Yeah. If people didn't like me oil, I'd get a bit upset. And why, why don't you like it? But that, I think you see that language, perhaps we like Greg Jackson, octopus. Now he's on the Twitter. He's very there. It's a very lovely creature, personal this, although it's an energy reseller, it's, it goes about it in a very human way. And I did that in spades. And people could relate to that, and Gillette never could, of course, because he's long dead. But nor did they probably want to. So as we developed the products, I'd invent names. So like we launched a shaving oil called Connexium in 99, and it's called Connexium. It stands for King of Shaves Next Millennium. I thought, that's quite funny. We'll have that. And then we did the second oil. So the first oil was just like original, King of Shaves Original Oil. And then we heard there's a good ingredient called aloe, so we stuck some of that in there with some vitamin E and called it Formula Alpha with the aloe for the fur. And then the alpha gels came from that they had aloe in them with little micro beads that contained oil. That were then you could make them out of gelatin, which is pig, you know, pig derivative. You could, couldn't do it now. But it was great. And then we had this alpha gel dual delivery system, shaving gel, that killed it. I mean, it was just off the scale in terms of it took off like a rocket ship at Boots. Mm. Mm. And Gillette then looked at it, tried to copy, tried to copy. And then we did skincare. So we did the first mass men's skincare. Then incredibly in 2003, you know, I, we developed a range called Exceed, XCD, which was um, basically makeup for men. Or it's what Wallpaint London looks like now, all this new stuff that's come out 20 years later. And it enhanced camouflage defend. And it had tinted moisturizer. It had eye bags. It had this and that and the other. Million dollar order, CVS, took Concord over there to launch it, mm. launched it in boots, hugely ahead of its time. Yeah. Hugely ahead of its time. Like 20 years on still, we're not there. Mm. So imagine how far ahead we were. Yeah. And just did it because I could. Mm. And we had some wins, we had some losses. It was an incredible time, but we were always. I would, you know, I'd say IDA coming up with, yeah. I have a trait curiosity. So I like, you know, I have a trait curiosity. So why are things, are, why things are the way they are? Mm. I always wonder why they are. You know, why is this set? It's got a pink light, it's got blue, it's got yeah, this, it's got yeah, that. Yeah. Well, why is that? Is that one person's view of why it should be? Or is there some sort of underlying 
gets people talking so they feel comfy in it there. Mm. Mm. And that um, has stood me well because over all the years I've been front and centre in the prod dev side or say, I want to do that. Yeah. And my guys are going, can't do it. And I say, well, why not? Mm. And then I'll go and find something in a different industry mm. that you can do it with. So like with the Azer Razor, it's, we wanted it to bend so it, it actively pressed against your face. So yeah. when you shaved, it would actively press and raise yeah, the hairs, yeah, yeah. don't you? And I was sh- brushing my teeth with a bendy head toothbrush. I thought, oh, this is good. That's quite interesting. I wonder if you could adapt that elastomer into a rope, which you could, and we patented it. And then mm. we'll just sort of try to overturn it for like years because it's clever. Yeah. And we can make the handle very cost efficiently mm. in a two-shot mould. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So it was hugely exciting, but I always try to invent and lead, mm. but the secret is to lead not too far from the front. And often I've been way to and from. Yeah. But I don't really mind. No. It's what it is. Yeah. But it's timing, mm. you know. Mm. It, it That's the hardest thing. Yeah. And obviously luck and yeah, and all the rest of it. So one campaign that jumped out to me was the uh, Hyperglide product launch, Just Add Water, because it's a great example of sort of a creative product demo. It shows exactly how to use the product, but in a way that's entertaining, I suppose, uh, which is the name of the game. So yeah, talk to me about that campaign. Yeah, absolutely. So the whole Hyperglide razor, which then put us into play to be sold again in 2014, and we didn't sell, but we ended up selling that technology for a lot of money to another company, mm. brackets, not Gillette. Mm-hmm. Um, end brackets. So there was a super hydrophilic coating technology. So basically it was a shaving gel, oil and foam killer. Yeah. So you just add water. Yeah. So in my mind, it was Apple iPhone. It was going to do to Nokia. We would do to Gillette what Apple had done to Nokia, where you take away the unnecessary, the buttons, and you just get up and you just add water and you shave. Lovely. So that super hydrophilic coating. We had a factory in the UK. We had a patent on it. A lot of money went in, a big Japanese partner. And of course I wanted a great ad. So at the time I'd, I'd married Tiger Savage, um, famous advertising credit director. Yeah. It's my wife for um, 10 years. We're separated and had divorcing, but it is what it is. But she obviously created the links effect at BBH in 96. So when I guess you have a partner who's kind of hot stuff in, in that space. I said, here's the brief. And, yes. and she said, okay, we'll shoot a guy shaving underwater then and make it funny. And, <laughs> but it won't look like he's underwater at the start because it will pull back and it'll only be the tell when you have the bubbles come yes. up and maybe we'll have a shark and this and that. The shaver floats up and he grabs it. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So it's very clever what she did there. Um, but the actor we had, it was a nightmare because he couldn't hold his breath. It was a nightmare. So it was a nightmare because bubbles were just every, all the time, all the time. Uh, but then there was another guy there who said, I'll do it. So the guy in the ad is, is a standing guy who I think was a diver, the safety diver. He said, I'll just come and did it, did it in one take. Wow. But that's the way when you're doing this. But I think the, the simplicity and, and, you know, one of my favorite sayings, simplicity is the ultimate um, mm. sophistication, singularity of purpose, just do it, Nike. Impossible is nothing, Addy, Link's Fact. And then King of Shaves kind of done it in, in the pack, in the brand rat. It's King of Shaves. It mm. does what it says in the logo. But that was a great, you know, great campaign, but just tough for us that we were put into a sale process not long after because successful. And then it didn't happen. And then I was tired in 2014. And I was nobbled after forever pushing water uphill. Mm. 
But then we ended up selling the IP for a lot of money. So mm. the pants and the technology in the factory and not King of Shades and kind of kept it. Mm. So that's good. Yeah, so that's interesting. So you went for the sale of the IP rather than a sort of more general sale because you'd had the, well, some sort of difficulties with a potential sale and oh, you thought, well, I we mean, can do we, the IP and still be in charge and be my own boss. No, not really like that. I mean, how it worked, we were first approached to be bought in 95 by um, a company that owned, I think it was Weller, then Tresemme, company owned Tresemme, weirdly. Maybe process, but you want to buy sell like million five? No, not yet. And then we had all manner over the years. We had Wilkinson, Sword Chick Wilkinson flew us over to Connecticut. So this is like 15 years ahead of Harry's, Ward Klein. And I sat there and the head of Chick didn't turn up, Joseph. He sent a lawyer because I was basically going to be like, I'm the super hot guy at the UK and he's going to come and run it. And this guy didn't turn up and we'd been flown in and they had all the board there and it's surreal. And yeah, that was weird. And Went nowhere. Rayovac came after us. Remington, that was a nightmare because um, they wanted to be our distributor and then buy us. But actually, they went around behind our back to our Razor partner. And then we found out about it because Razor partner told us and that all went down. Then Gillette had a sniff, um, Phillips. But in the end, um, there were two or three bidders and we didn't have the Hyperglide patent in North America because Gillette had been pushing back against it. We've got it everywhere else. And because we didn't have that, the company that we're going to buy said, we ain't got it, so we don't want it. We don't want you. They never wanted King of Shaves. It just They just assumed that King of Shaves would be part of the brand wrapping with this tech because it was so clever. Yeah. And after they walked away on my birthday on the 18th of August 2014, do you remember the ice challenge that you pulled that ice over? People said to be yeah. social media yeah, challenge, you did for cancer, yeah. all of that. So I did that. And then I got annoyed about 18 months later and, and rang up the company, rang up the GM and said, well, why do you not buy us? He said, well, patent. I said, it's granted now. He said, what? Oh. He said, what do you really want? And, and you know, he said, oh, I love that. We love hyperglide. We love hyperglide. Mm. I go, well, do you want King of Shades? He says, No. What? We'd had advisors on this, and it was like nobody had asked the question, what do you want? They'd just assumed that all the IP had been wrapped up in the hold coat, and that would be it. Yeah. We just spun it out into a uh, one and sold it. Mm. Well, that's interesting. an interesting lesson for any business or brand thinking of a sale, asking that blunt question, what do you actually want? Yeah. Because you assume you're right, or maybe it's a little bit of a... You know, self, maybe potential sort of brand narcissism. You say, oh, they want everything. They want that. They want that. They want me. And yeah, and nobody, I think the funny thing is when you're like at the level of founder, let's say I was, when I was kind of famous in the 90s and the noughties. And then I don't know, I'm like older now. Yeah, I'm still naughty and 26 where I try to be and live in houseboats in Thames and mm. we have fun and it's great. And I've got a dog in here with me. <laughs> so I had dogs at the start of here and a yelpy on this pot. It <laughs> my Griffon Broussoir, four month old. <laughs> Girlfriends in Australia, I've got the dog. But the 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 whole life I've had and what I've been able to do and how I've done things, but people don't talk to you, right? They genuinely don't. People are kind of scared of me. Yeah, they kind of, oh, that's Will King. Mm. If, if, this is within my set, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. entrepreneur, yeah. obviously general public, do not give a shit, yeah? Oh, it's probably American. Who is he? Do not care. But within mine, because I'm the last guy standing at the 90s, really, they're all sold. Everybody else is sold. Um, 
it's, it's this like this aura. And I say, yeah, I will. Oh, can we, do you mind if we ask a question? They say, no, go away. Go ask away. Yeah. yeah. And that can flip back where often I don't say, what do you really want? I just assumed with the advisors, William Blair, big merchant bank, big investment bank, yeah? They sold fine technique to Harry's for, and added 100 million to that sale because Tiger Global could afford it. Mm. You don't ask that, but, and, and you should, and normally I should. And it was silly, really. But there we are. Yeah. So, you know, ask questions. And I think recently I'd asked um, at the event I was presenting at, there's this saying, curiosity killed the cat. And you know what the second line is to that, don't you? Mm. Do the you? competition brought it back? No. What brought it back? It was, it was on the email thread, wasn't it? Satisfaction. Satisfaction. So if I've asked that now to about 5,000 people and at the, um, the Scale Up Awards where I gave out and asked that question, which is kind of how I come to be here, mm. one guy knew it. One out of the 500 people. Now, all of the people I've asked since, they do not know it. Mm. But it's such a curiosity killed the cat. Mm. Okay. But there's a second line, satisfaction. In, in, and I have that in me in spades. Mm. But I kind of didn't then. And with people now, if you're listening, just go up and chat to people. Mm. And if you see people think, well, he won't or she won't talk to me. And no, of course they will. They're just people like yeah. you. Unless yeah. they're dicks, some of them. Yeah. But. No, that's a good lesson. Um, and now looking forward, um, you're just about to or celebrating the 30th anniversary? Yeah, next April um, will be So what, what, are the pla- what are the plans? There's quite a lot planned, to be honest with you, and I can't really reveal much other than I'm excited. I'll be behaving like a 26-year-old again. Um, God shave the king. Long live the king. Um, you know, sadly, you know, yeah. um, Queen yeah. Elizabeth passed a lot, um, earlier this year and, and King Charles, who I actually sent my first shaving oil out to in 93, sent it to, and to Will and Harry as well, well, to Diana when, when they were born and stuff. There. Wow. You know, kings don't go on forever. So you've got to kind of have your succession strategy in place mm. or your ascension or whatever. So I'm writing a book called King Hell of my fucking hell moments, King Hell. Um, went to Ibiza this summer and did crazy stuff and five VIP all night as a high in a schwire and nearly killed myself. <laughs> and tr- my favourite movies, Kevin and Perry, go large and basically reprise that amnesia. And <laughs> it was not pretty and it was funny. And all I'd go, we go, King Hell, King Hell. <laughs> and we stayed at David Getter's villa, yeah? King uh-huh. Hell, how are we at David Getter, how are mm. we where he wrote Titanium? How? King Hell. So it just became a running joke. So these guys say, you got to write a book about all your King Hell moments. So I will, um, which there's some very interesting ones in there, not to do with shaving at all. We're going to be aligning with a, with a, with a charity, which um, I, I've really got to know the founder CEO of that really well. Small one, but, you know, people probably don't know in 2003, a small charity called Movember kicked off in Australia. And we were involved with that with King of Shaves before Gillette got there, involved in a much bigger way. And... Other stuff, Good. it's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be a great year. I'll put it at that, a mm. year. It'll have a start and it'll have a finish. Yeah. And I've got to see if I can hang around with the cool kids on the TikToks and get TikTok mm. famous and basically try to get men shaving again because mm. nobody bothers. Yeah, And that has had quite an effect on market shares, products you develop what you do while you do it. But, you know, looking back to the 90s when everybody did shave, 
and look into the 20s where it's goodness knows what's going on in the world and it's tough for people, tough for everybody, especially with the disaster of the prime minister we currently have in, mm. hopefully it's not much longer. I want to do something fun yeah. and unconventional and different and go back and just do, don't do, if you do what everybody else does, mm. you'll get what everybody else has got. Yeah, if you carry on doing the same old and you're not getting anywhere, that is what you're getting. A lot of people never change that mindset. And I'm a sailing guy. So if you're sailing in bad wind of a yacht that's upwind of you, you tack off, yeah? Yeah. Tack off, clear wind, mm. and then tack back. That's called covering. But you've separated. So whatever we'll do next year, I guarantee you, you'll be reading about it. It will be fun. I'll give you early knowledge as soon as I Please can. Please do. Um, and yeah, it'll be run off a houseboat mm. in Cheney Walk, Chelsea. Happy days. In working from homeland or working from mm. boatland. Mm. Sounds the dream. And um, we sort of started talking of future plans. We obviously started your st- set up in a recession and, you know, yeah. by all accounts, we're about to go into one. Um, so as a business, how are you preparing for that? Are you going to sort of cut costs? Are you going to sort of keep maintain costs, particularly as a marketing? It's often sort of the first thing yeah. that's sort of ripped apart. You know, what's your what's your plan for that? So that's a great point. So in conventional recessions, and COVID was not a conventional recession, but conventional recession is people spend less and they go for value um, items and they don't go on so much holidays and this and that. Normally sales of um, things like lipstick go up. It's called the lipstick effect because it's something that, let's say, a woman can buy to, um, you know, just put simply on. Um, Staples and shaving is a staple. You kind of either shave or you don't. And with the brands, people are very loyal. So if you were Gillette, you're probably with Gillette. And it's so inexpensive. Like I think our new um, shave gel at 175 mil, it's 499. It gives you gazillions of shaves compared to a can. Yeah. So when you know that, mm. the cost of it doesn't matter. What's important for us with a recession coming down track is ironic, isn't it? There's mm. a recession coming and we're turning 30 and it's like, coming all new and, you know, we've got a new brand and it's confident and it's the yeah. first brand refresh in 30 years. Wow. You've got to remain relevant to the consumer. You've got to take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves. When money gets tight, you get creative. Yeah. And Anita Roddick famously said that, you know, the less money you have, the more creative you will be. And when you get successful, you have a lot of money and you just spend it. When you don't have it, you don't. And it needs to have, I think, these days in a recession, if we have got one coming out, it needs to be talked about and it needs to perhaps have a human, a humour and a humanity to it. Yeah. Because it's not going to be looking pretty no. in Q1 next year, however way you slice it. Hedge Fund Brothers says you ain't seen nothing yet. Um, You haven't seen Russia attempt to turn off gas entirely into Europe, for example, or this or that. But if you're founding a business, it's a great time as long as you have a great idea that solves a problem that when the tide starts rising up and you will rise with it, Mm. you can scale it. But it's always hard. Yeah. And I would not be the person I am today had I not been made redundant in a recession 30 years ago, which is looking back in hindsight, was the best thing that could ever happen to me. Because, you know, it's been amazing. Mm. It might not work out, might work out. But I work really hard. I've always worked hard, always on time. 
always try to do this, always that. My my favorite was reciprocity. So give and take, give and take. Don't like people, just take. And with the whole recession piece, everybody will be worrying about stuff. And and that perhaps is when you have a moment where you think, well, what am I going to do if this ever happens again? Mm. And luckily for, for us, we've done through two or three now. Financial crash was huge, yeah? 2007, eight, that was huge. We were just about to win a business prize with HBOS and HBOS disappeared. Yeah. Five million pounds, they w- did not exist six weeks after the competition. So recession could be the best time of your life, but the mindset you have, you mustn't delude yourself because everybody knows everything instantly, straight away in the world we live in on the Twitter and the socials. And they didn't 30 years ago. Mm. It would be a newspaper. It'd be a TV program or radio. Mm. Now it's instant. Mm. Yeah. Now it's instant. So just be aware of that. Yeah. That's great. The last couple of things I wanted to talk about were, yeah, other bits that you um, are sort of doing. Well, you've got your entrepreneur in residence company and above and beyond. Yeah. So I'd love to, yeah, know sort of what's going on with with those, how much sort of your time and energy you put into that, because they both seem like really interesting, interesting projects. Yeah. So EIR, first of all, I mean, when I, Step down and see a king of shades. It's like, oh, okay, I'm still a shareholder. I still get money. What am I going to do? And and did not know. And as I said, I was married to to um, Tiger, and ended up doing an ad agency with her a couple of years later because she had that level of clout that she could do. Actually, the law firm who we did the shaving bonds with, Memory Crystal, because we invented this retail mini bond. It was amazing with shaving bond, OSM to King of Shades, but then it got absolutely disastrously fucked by big companies doing ripping off investors at the mm. end. Very sad. Mm. But because we'd invented that, or I'd invented it, and Memory Chris did the legal, and it made them a lot of money, they thought, well, it was kind of cool. And yeah. so oh, you step down as CEO. Why don't you come and hang around with us and motivate, make us be entrepreneurial, mm. and I'll be an entrepreneurial resident. So I thought, that'd be funny try and corral a bunch of siloed lawyers together to partner up and, you know, not that easy. And then off the back of that, I worked on quite a few companies and brands, some with a social aesthetic like FutureGov, other different ones. But it was almost more of a back, more of like just to do something. Yeah. The above and beyond is more recent. That's to do with lifetime use, refillable, microplastic free packaging. So I don't know if you know, but... 91% of the world's plastic is never recycled, mm. 91%. So the whole recycling thing, that's, that's, that ain't, that's for gazy, yeah? Yeah. That's, it does not get recycled, people. It goes to landfill or incineration. It can be recycled, but it isn't because it's easier to burn it or ship it off somewhere else. So that's bad, and I don't like that, and my guys that work with me didn't like that. So we came up with a brand called Code Zero. It was like a pathway brand to zero out things that are bad. That turned into A and B or above and beyond mm. with a microplastic-free refill, lifetime use aluminium aesthetic that we put trademarks and patents in for, created a company called Integro Innovations. Um, King of Shades owns that, then funded it. And then it was the same time as Wild and Fussy were doing yeah. their plastic-free, although they got plastic in there, but we are plastic-free. Oh, no, you're not. You've got plastic in there, which <laughs> does not make sense. Yeah. Um, so that's a big thing, and that, but that's separate to KLS. Yes. So if you have King on the one side with King of Shaves, Integro with Andy Hill, my longtime 
first operations manager, now MD, or he's just worked with me 26 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. He's way more in that with a guy called Bryn Walbrook, who's ex-Munnell Lowe, who's a strategy guy that I hired on the phone mm. after um, Sam Conniff, Be More Pirate, basically called him out in a founder's private founders network, said, hire this guy. So I rang him up and did, because he's good. Mm. The A and B thing's exciting, so we've got good opportunities for that in America, yeah. amazingly, which I still do not believe, but it looks like it is. Mm. And Andy and Brynn will work on that. I'll hang around with King of Shades and the guys there because we're turning 30 and I can just go and annoy people again and go to buyer meetings and go in there and just meet the buyers, 26 years. Mm. I, I, it's like your granddad's turning up. Yeah, I say, how did, you were born when I did this <laughs> and how can we do this better? And yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be funny. It will. I hope. Yeah. You know, I won't no, crash the business or anything, but no, it'll bring, not. and that isn't in meetings anymore. No, a bit of lightness. So, yeah. So, yeah, A and B is great. Um, King of Shaves, you know, let's keep going. EIR, I mean, I help people. I do mm. it, but it's not a formal business yeah. anymore. Yeah. So the uh, final question is we always like asking um, our guests who we should have on next. So it can be sort of someone in the, yeah, similar sort of space to you or just someone that you think would be... Okay, so, so two people I suggest that like Greg Jackson Octopus Energy mm. um, he's a mate of mine um, and then a guy called John O'Brien who's doing the Anthropy um, Glastonbury for Good Events in Eden um, Eden Project in early November those two guys would be good for you great great well we'll get in touch thank you very much Will pleasure I've been Dan I've been Harvey if you like the podcast please share it on LinkedIn Twitter Instagram or even just to a mate if you or anyone you know runs a brand that you think would be perfect for Small Talk, then get them to hit us up on hello at smallworld.marketing. We're Small World, and this was Small Talk.